welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I am your host, Lauren. I'm Jules. And I'm Jai. <laughs> I was going to be like, guess who we have here today, but we totally kind of uh, messed know. that up. Yeah. Jules and yeah. here. <laughs> we do not organize this part. <laughs> no, we are not ABC News. That should be the, the tagline. Like, I do not claim to know anything. This is all just like complete internet research and wikipedia shit so i mean who the hell knows i don't even know if half the shit's true but but we're talking about hype today the probably one of the only amazing documentaries about grunge music as a whole and the city of seattle as a whole and the whole quote-unquote scene Uh, i'm so stoked to talk about this one because i feel like I need to cover more music. I mean, obviously the name is fashion grunge and people are probably like, why the fuck is she talking about movies? But I feel like it's the easiest thing to really talk about instead of music since I can't play the music, but we can talk about some movies that are super awesome. So this is on Amazon prime and also on YouTube. Another note, I will say if you do have Amazon prime, there are amazing music documentaries on there. So uh, take a good deep dive. The Decline of Western Civilization. It's a three-part by Penelope Cirrus. It's amazing. You guys should all watch that as well. You know, it breaks down like early punk from the 80s, glam metal, and then alternative rock like on the West Coast. It's pretty cool. It's oh, so dope. Cool. She directed it, Wayne's World too. She's an amazing. They also girl. have like really cool art and like photography documentaries on there. Better than yeah. like, any, anywhere else really. Like, and there's one on the Gits. I know, Jules, you were talking about how you really like the Gits yeah. from, from this documentary. There is a documentary on the Gits on Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. Yeah, so check that out. They didn't talk that much about uh, the band. You saw the band, but they didn't talk that much about the band. But yeah, it's really, it's cool. So yeah, so what did you guys think of it? What's your kind of, what's your take on it? What's your history with the genre? Like, what do you like and not like about grunge? So I, um, going into it, like when you first asked me to, um, to do this episode, uh, I went into it being like, yeah, I know so much about grunge. Like, like I thought I was pretty knowledgeable. And then from the first 10 minutes of watching this, I was like, I don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was definitely like humbling, um, but um yeah i took it as like informative because yeah i really uh since i was basically um not even born when the scene started um it was yeah, i definitely learned a lot um it definitely like wasn't you know my original like viewpoint on it so i thought that was kind of interesting cool cool what about you jai what do you think? I I really loved the documentary. I was like, it's just really cool to see like footage of like Nirvana and like I don't know, like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and it's slightly different to Jules because I was eleven. I'm in ninety four, and I was listening to those bands. So like, it's I mean, obviously I was quite young and I don't remember everything, but like I I was listening to Nirvana and then you know found out you know, Kurt died and I felt kind of clued up, even though I was, I was so young, I felt sort of like clued up to like the scene and like I used to dress like that, you know, all black Doc Martins, flannel shirts, whatever. Um, but I, I felt that it, it, it's actually kind of like, it was mentioned right at the end and I was thinking that anyway, it was sort of in my mental note that this happens with every scene. It happens mm-hmm. with every major 
sort of music movement, you know, because it happened to punk. Punk mm-hmm. became a joke. It was just like exploded by the media and they made it really mainstream and commercial. And like we, we talked about it when we did that punk documentary mm-hmm. yeah and it happened to grunge and it happened in you know to like rock in the 60s like all it's just ha- it's happened throughout history everywhere. yeah it happened. So it didn't just happen to grunge but it felt probably by watching the documentary that it was more intense with these it was with so this fast music. it was so fast but so then fast. but then yeah it was it, i think it was faster than punk i suppose because punk started in the 70s and then it kind of moved to other countries later and whatever so I guess it took a bit longer for punk but but yeah it, it definitely happened faster with grunge and yeah it's sad I mean I did, it started really exciting you know like yeah you're seeing how it all sort of is that in Seattle and the one thing I have is like it's so funny it's like raining weather makes great music yeah it, does. it happens in the UK too you know it totally makes sense like the weather is awful and I mean you you're know, stuck indoors mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not awful but of course you can't be you you know it's not like LA so it encourages people to be inside and to, that's why people read a lot in England and like make great music you know it's kind of like and I guess Seattle obviously is the, the same and I also have to say one thing I've never been to Seattle but the 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 vibe and like people just seem way cooler than like northwest that northeast this is definitely like just the east coast right oh yeah well this is definitely i also shockingly have not been in seattle even though i lived on the west coast but i um even when i would tell people out there like oh yeah i'm really into grunge they're like we don't even have to know you are fucking seattle like if you go to seattle you won't come back like yeah you, i was they're like you care i was like i don't care about the weather i don't give a fuck about beach i don't care if it rains i really don't give a fuck like every time i see stuff about seattle i'm like oh my god the fucking photos i would take up there everything's like green oh yeah and lush and rain and like oh god and like the mountains and like the puget sound like everything i'm like i just need to go there but now it seems it's also really interesting too to see that this documentary was made in 96 just two years yeah. after he died so, Which is cool. It's cool yeah, than it's like really someone cool. making a documentary about it now because they have all this fresh footage from then, you know, mm-hmm. with interviews and stuff. And I think, yeah, I mean, I've been to Portland and that's kind of closer yeah, to, close, I guess. Yeah. So I kind of had a taste for like the West Coast world. Like Pacific by Northwest. The scene. Yeah. yeah. But oh, yeah, I just wish, it really just made me wish I had been there in, 90, in like early 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a time to be there really yeah well do you guys have any favorite bands that are in under the grunge un- umbrella that you already knew about before you saw this i mean hands down it would be like nirvana and soundgarden <laughs> oh okay cool <laughs> um like but that i feel like those are the you know i feel like nirvana is always the the top one yeah it's, um it's, it's uh, it, i hate saying that i like nirvana just because i get i mean i don't hate saying it like i love nirvana and i i will forever but i i just hate that they became like this kind of poster child for yeah. like you know the movement or like the scene and it kind of just happened like that i guess like they mm. i mean it's just i mean i know that it happens with everything it's like the ramones i'm sure they were one of the front bands of like the punk scene i'm sure they didn't ask for it you know like yeah. but they just became i mean the face of it 
I I think like going going into that type of discussion of like because Nirvana became they just blew up and the media just ate up Kurt Cobain like I think that was something that I just like at least that's what I really wanted to talk about in this podcast was just like how sad and unfortunate the like grunge blow up was yeah because it seemed like it kind of went against everything that like the original like scene stars were about yeah um, totally. and like yeah and i think that's kind of where that like feeling of like not being ashamed or like embarrassed about you know like loving nirvana but i think that's where that comes from because none of them were looking for this you know people magazine type of fame they weren't looking for that they didn't really want it and that's why like i forget her name but she was from one of the bands in in the documentary and she was like you know oh they were asking me these dumb questions they wanted me to pose yeah she's like they wanted me to pose with other women and bands that i didn't know acting like we were all friendly and so she would just start lies and rumors Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because she was like fuck this like this isn't what i want so i'm gonna fuck with them back yeah Um, and, and i really liked that um but that was one thing that just like really um it made me sad um because yeah i think i think the media can totally exploit you know people who are just trying to do something that genuinely feels right to them yeah, totally. And I we think do it to everyone. Yeah. Right? I mean, they do it to celebrities. We Before we were recording, we were just all talking about oh, like, yeah. the celebrity <laughs> gossip. And like, we don't know anything. Like, we only know what they put out there. I mean, I bet if we sat down with our favorite celebrities and we're like, oh my gosh, why did you do this? And why did you do that? They're like, all right, first of all, none of that happens. Like telephone. It'll be like, okay, that's not even close to what really happened this is what happened. Like you guys don't know anything, you know? Yeah, like, so yeah. it's kind of crazy. Also, I have to say that it's really crazy with grunge too, because all the other, the, all the other industries or like genres of music that blew up, I would say like, especially with punk, let's, let's say for in the seventies, like, I feel like grunge just, I mean, I'm sure punk was really big. Obviously none of us were around for that. So we don't know what it was like in everyday life, but granted there were magazines and like other outlets of media and stuff than we have now. But I feel like grunge just blew up so much because of motherfucking MTV. Like if MTV had not played smelled like teen spirit. Mm. I mean, I don't, I just don't think that's what brought Nirvana like to millions of people right away like instantaneously before the internet. Yeah. So that's really made them blow up. And the fact that it, the first video was in a gym, you know, like it was immediately like, Oh shit, we're putting this out for like the young generation. Like we're not doing like any of the other things that they've, any of the other videos they've done, we're not centered around school, but this one is centered around like fuck school, fuck this. We just want to like have fun party and, you know, kind of like, fuck the jocks you know like screw them they're stupid Mm -hmm. like they hate us whatever so they have like the anarchy cheerleaders and everything so that's kind of like what really like helped them that didn't really do the same for punk where it was obviously marketed but this you had like tv you know you had like interviews and now all of them were being interviewed all the time and you know you could see them all the time and it was just like this crazy you know like a new thing cable tv like all that stuff was just so new 
And it's just, it's just so crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot to do with just the technology back then, because like, if we had had the same, when punk started, it would have been the same thing, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's more, people just had this, like access to everything like because it's more like, because of internet and there are more publications think about like the amount of publications that you have like massive ones like music ones like really established ones and record labels that you had in the 90s compared to the 70s you know oh so it's yeah kind of like it, it, it literally just like anything that happened from the 19s forward like it is gonna be exploited this way because of media and the internet and technology basically as far as the fashion goes i think grunge is just so much more relatable to the average person than punk is punk is a very extreme fashion style that not you can't really mass market that i feel like no one's gonna wear plaid pants and like you know spikes and you know like rip shirts like it's just not gonna happen and it's also like kind of harder to put together Mm-hmm. But grunge is just very much like it's already shit you have. Yeah, one um, of, one of the favorite quotes that like I found in there was I for I like didn't know any of these artists, but one guy was like talking about the you know the grunge fashion scene and like mm-hmm. he was like, uh, you know, we weren't wearing like long johns because we thought it was cool. We were wearing it because it was fucking cold <laughs> out. It was fucking cold, yeah. I know. <laughs> It's like, what are we supposed to wear? But also, it totally makes sense, right? They were wearing, like, flannel shirts because it's fucking cold. And then, I mean, I was wearing that around my waist, you know, but it just became a trend. But it totally makes sense that they were dressed that way because of the weather in, in Seattle. It's just yeah, funny. Yeah, that, that's also <laughs> so funny about... I think when I first started um the blog i guess you could say before it became like a online magazine it was i used to get so many comments about like grunge is in fashion blah 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 i was like yes i was like yes 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 i know i know i was like i know i was like i really just wanted to have a name that just encapsulated like what i really like i don't necessarily think that grunge is a fashion statement i'm not someone who talks about like grunge fashion but then if you ask me about the bands i have no idea or i'm just like oh i like nirvana like no it's it's just that it was the only way i think that and i think eventually that's kind of what happened with the term grunge is it was just a way to identify what you like and it it's the same thing if you talk about like dark wave synth pop like Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe the bands don't want to be called that because maybe they're like we're not synth we don't even use a synth, but they say that we're synth pop. So that's what we are or whatever. So I feel like, yeah, it definitely got corrupted. The, the title got corrupted. And yeah, I know fashion grunge is kind of silly, but it's got a nice ring to it. And it's been a while. So, what do you uh, get? Well, you know, I don't see it that way. I feel like you do still have the foundation of your of fashion grunge. It is grunge. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's evolved a little bit, but it is still like your you you do have a style and a look. Like the you know, your the magazine has like a theme. Yeah, it so it's true. not it's not of course it's not gonna be entirely grunge, but most of the things that I mean that you post and everything does have like a grunge tune to it. You know what I mean? Like or like Yeah, touch. totally. So I think I think it's I mean, I think it's grunge. <laughs> Do you think it's grunge, Jules? Yeah, I think I think it's the mindset of it. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's something. I think that's why so many people related to it. And it was this, you know, it was this like I don't give a fuck attitude. I want to do what I want to do, and like people respect that. 
And I don't and, want to sell out. You know, yeah, like that, exactly. that I think is a big thing about selling out. And we'll get into sub pop. Uh, oh my God. In a bit. <laughs> I, I know, because Jules is like, I have a lot to say about sub pop. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. now, it, once I talk about sub pop, no major labels are going to want to sign me. But you know, <laughs> whatever, I'm not playing for that game. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, it's almost just, I don't know if the thing about the the interviews with the sub pop guys is like, I don't know if they were just trolling, uh, like if the filmmakers were trolling them or if the two guys were trolling them because then the one guy who worked with them was like, everything they say is a lie. Oh, like yeah. they just are complete assholes. Like not assholes as in mean, but like, you know, just like dicking around. Mm. Like they just love to troll people. So like, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say that like, oh shit, they're fucking horrible. Cause clearly I don't know. And the only bands that I listen to that are remotely grunge now are on sub pop, like bully and Mets. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, although CZ Records is a sick label that a lot of people don't know a lot about, a lot of people just think Sub Pop because of obvious reasons, but um, it is kind of funny the way that they kind of like packaged it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the way that they kind of were like, okay, here's our photographer. Here's what our things look like. Like we have stickers, we have a Mart. Now they have an airport shop, which is really funny. That, Gosh, wow. Yeah, it's in SeaTac. I think a reoccurring feeling that I had um, just watching like this documentary and talking about sub pop, they kept saying how the scene was exploding, but I honestly felt like it was exploiting. Yeah. Um, Like if you go on and look at like sub pop's roster, like, yes, they're, you know, known to, you know, have started just like the major label for, um, for grunge artists. But to me, when I look at it, I'm like, this is capitalism. Like all of these bands that like, Hey, I'm admitting I listen to a lot of these bands because it is like the biggest outlet to hearing music. But to me, it just, it looks like a business. It doesn't look like an actual, movement anymore this is like strictly capitalism in my eyes and this is you're talking about just from this documentary this is 96 yeah they have exploded yeah so yeah is exactly like and when i like i literally felt that watching them in this documentary feeling like they're exploiting it and so just to think about where they are at now like, and I'm, and I'm not, I don't want to like completely shit on them. Like I've even had, you know, dreams in the past of like, Oh, maybe sub pop will like, like my music kind of thing. No, that's not what they're into. They want to find someone who is marketable. They want mm-hmm. to find people who will make them money. It's like, it's just a money shoot. Um, well, cause they want to pawn you off to a big label and get a chunk of that advance money. Yeah, exactly. That's why they have all that money. And, and that's what I just think is so fucking sad about like, you know, even though I didn't know any of these bands, like, I think that's the sad part. And sadly, that's like, a that's part- the industry. yeah, that's the industry. And like, it's just, I don't know. It kind of broke my heart seeing like some of these bands. I mean, and they, they handled it with style, you know, yeah. like I think they handled it great, but yeah, I think it was exploitive and not explosive. Yeah. And think of just how much more well-adjusted that all of the bands it seemed were in the, in the documentary than if you became like, uh, you know, Nirvana, where yeah. like your life is no longer your own and you're kind of up for public consumption 
and screw your private life. It's kind of like, at least uh, it seemed like a lot of them were kind of like, we like, I think uh, at the end, I think, um, I think it's the fastbacks and she's, uh, she's also like one of the, I forgot one of the women's name in the fastbacks, but um, she was talking about like, yeah, so yeah, we didn't become the next Nirvana. Like we play shows here and there and we're okay with that. (laughs) Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like we're not like, you know burned about the fact that like they got big and we didn't and we were better like you never heard anyone putting anyone else down i really love that they didn't cover nirvana a lot yeah too um which is is cool they didn't cover much alice in chains oh yeah weird they're always very like weird yeah yeah they're always very like on the like not low end but i feel like a lot of people don't really talk about them a lot but they're just i feel like alice in chains and soundgarden are more in that um they're just more in that like metal category like they just they're totally have that like super deep low like slow kind of like that whatever that vibe is yeah um you know like since i oh i'm so sorry i cut no 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 no, that's yeah that's it um yeah that that was something for me where like because i you know i grew up with like a father who like loved Soundgarden like so Soundgarden was like what was playing you know when he was home (laughs) and um and yeah like that's interesting to hear you be like yeah it was closer to metal because it it's definitely I would consider it that because it's um yeah it's just a lot heavier and uh slower than like a lot of the bands that were playing like in the beginning of the documentary like Mm -hmm. I almost like like not I didn't feel uncomfortable but it was just like so new to me to hear some of those bands I was like oh wow wait this is grunge because like I always considered it more of like a sound garden sound yeah. yeah you know that's so weird because it was the same I grew up thinking the whole time that sound garden was rock to me and I feel like only Nirvana was grunge I even thought that Pearl Jam was rock you know yeah they're yeah. more classic like, rocky yeah in my head I never thought of them as grunge it was only like nirvana really mm-hmm. yeah nirvana's just got low nirvana's like punk i mean like that's i have like this ongoing uh not fight or like disagreement with my mom because she really likes pearl jam <laughs> and i really like nirvana and she's like i don't know she's like i just like pearl jam i don't i mean she's, she just loves pearl jam and she's like well i like even though i can't understand what eddie vetter's ever saying i, I just <laughs> i just love their music i was like yeah well pearl jam's got like They've got like they start out super well and they've got this they've got this groove that like mm-hmm. once you hit into that Pearl Jam groove, you're like, all right, all right, cool. Yeah, this is where we're going. All right, it's five minutes. Okay, we're gonna be here for a while. Those musicians in Pearl Jam, especially like Jeff and Stone, are sick and they were in like Mother Love Bone. If you listen to like their early stuff, like they have a more soul kind of background. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not so much like a, a kind of a punk sound, but then when you listen to Nirvana, it's like, boom, Hey, we're starting and we're fucking going. And then we're ending. Yeah. Like yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not doing like, there's a, maybe a few solos and maybe like three Nirvana songs. And it's literally just Kurt, like scratching the guitar. I mean, it's not like Pearl jam where you get like a designated solo um, yeah. or anything like that. But yeah, it's cool. Cause they're all so different, which is why it's so funny that it's like grunge is like, oh you know here like it's like this this is how grunge is like no punk was the same way like velvet underground was nothing like the ramones but they were both considered quote-unquote punk you know and blondie they had like a more polished sound yeah totally yeah and blondie was like disco 
kind of yeah. like how is that pong oh, i know i know it's got crazy people used to like put them in that box it's weird yeah i mean they love they love to do it and it sucks too at the end of the documentary and the one of the guys was like i don't think he was in a band i think he just might have been like an artist and he was like yeah uh you know it's you always see it with like revolutions and politics and there's going to be so much great rock coming out, you know, like in the next few years because everyone's so like pent up and that energy once Kurt died and everything. And I was like, Oh man, if only they knew that fucking hip hop would end up completely taking over and almost like killing the rock genre, like almost essentially making it completely underground now. Uh, Again, almost entirely. I mean, I honestly think the Foo Fighters is the only mainstream band. But but think about it. They're like not even really active anymore. No, like and they don't have to be. Yeah, I feel like I feel. Well, like, you mean Foo Fighters? Yeah, yeah. They tour though. They don't. They don't release new music, but they tour. I mean, obviously not. Not in twenty twenty, but. Um, yeah, they do tour internationally, right? They, they really yeah. Well, I don't know. In the US, this is why I wanted to ask you because in the UK they play often. They play. They do Reading. They do V Festival. Yeah. They do all the festivals. Not not shows per se like just festivals i'm gonna see when the last foo fighters record was i'm i'm gonna say 2018 let's see Uh, yeah i guess they have yeah october last year they announced they're recording their 10th uh studio album yeah it's just bringing back to um you know, saying how, uh, you know, after Kurt died, we, they thought like it was going to be this like revolution of new music. And now that it's basically all underground, just like seeing the like underground music scene where like that's really the only place you'll find like actual like music of the rock persuasion like <laughs> angry girl music of yeah. the indie rock persuasion. <laughs> exactly like it's um like I have in my notes right here like I just I found such a distaste of um you know I I think a lot of like the younger generation making music now have like this distorted viewpoint on what like rock music should be and it's I I think unfortunately especially with like social media now like we see this this um like grunge look as an aesthetic like there was a huge like 90s revival like Mm -hmm. starting like around what like 2013 2014 after Mm -hmm. like people people were getting a little tired of like the synth pop I mean granted that's still out there don't get me wrong but like in the underground like people are like I want to make like you know, rock music, but, um, instead of, you know, like they took the, uh, the grunge aesthetic, you know, of the flannel shirts and the docks. Um, but it's kind of totally opposite of what like the grunge scene was about. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it seems like now it's very much like, you know, the grunge scene was very, we don't give a fuck. We don't care what people think. But to be quite honest, it seems like it's very, like, we are very aware of what we think and, like, what we want to stand for. And it's, like, I don't know. It's kind of disorienting a little bit. Um, Seeing, you know, it's, like, a a whole generation thinking they know what grunge is. And, like, the reason why I'm talking about (laughs) it is because, like, I kind of lumped myself into that category of, like, thinking, you know, you know what grunge is, but it's completely different (laughs) yeah i do too i'm obviously not from the area 
did not hang out in the scene or even really know <laughs> anybody in the scene. Like this is all just, you know, research and everything, but I definitely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely in that boat too. I'm definitely one to admit it, but everyone who would argue with me about things like it was basically in the early days of the fashion grunge Facebook page mm-hmm. And it, when more people were engaged and it wasn't like you have to pay to play essentially, but <laughs> yeah. um, people would always comment like, you don't know anything about grunge. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, well, like, why do you think that? Like, what's the deal? And they're like, this is just like, uh, whatever, whatever. Like, this is just bullshit. This is just like some Tumblr shit. RIP Tumblr. Um, <laughs> RIP. I still have a Tumblr, fashiongrunge.tumblr.com. But like, it, it's not what it was. But it, it was totally like that soft grunge takeover where everyone was hashtagging soft grunge. And it was like fucking Lana Del Rey. And I was like, all right, oh, all no. right. I was like, I don't like Lana Del Rey at all and probably never will. But um, yeah, it's just like they kind of put that like soft grunge. I was like, what? Yeah. Okay, this is getting even more left. <laughs> yeah, that that is. So- yeah, that's something that like th- I'm so glad you brought that up. The soft grunge. It's exactly what I think I'm like feeling (laughs) I just didn't know how to put it into words but that's exactly it and that's like what I have a problem with Um, and and now I can kind of understand why like um you know let's say like audiences you know on mainly on the internet especially now like uh like get angry with like younger bands (laughs) um or or they're like this isn't real music you know yeah Um, that's me yeah, because now now I kind of understand it, you know. <laughs> it's so it's so crazy just to think about. It's just like we love to put labels on everything, and people do that with music. You know, it's like no one can say, "Oh, this is this," and a fusion of that. People are like, "Oh, this band is just like this other band, and they're grunge no. or they're punk." It's like people are so lazy, and like even. I mean, it happened to punk too, right? They mm-hmm. didn't want that label. Like someone no. just call it punk. Someone just happened to say that, and people like the words. And it's it's just lazy. That but- one guy in that documentary was like, when I first heard punk, I thought it was some guy who got like fucked <gasps> in prison or something. Yeah, in yeah. prison. And he was like, that I never heard of it. Like talking about like a label, like a music style. Like I just thought it was a prison term. Yeah, I didn't think it was anything else. But he's like, okay, like I guess that's what you what you thought, you know? But yeah, it's just sad. Everything is just about money making money you know like all these um marriage and magazines and newspapers literally they just need content honestly that is all it comes out to they like hear about some scene in Seattle and they're like okay let's just this is the next thing so we're just gonna like write about it like what's really depressing actually and I often think about it when I do my grocery shopping and you see like before you pay when you're in in the queue and they have these like magazines right Mm -hmm. by the counter and there's always always gonna be a fucking magazine that has like either like Rolling Stones, Beatles or Nirvana Mm -hmm. even to this date they're still writing recycling old articles and there's going to be like a 20 page spread on Nirvana or like Kurt Cobain's birthday or like whatever you know it's new interviews sad. new Ni- details yeah nothing like- it's yeah and I just think it's just so sad like and we had this conversation many times uh, all of us but 
when you see people that are like 16 and they wear these t-shirts like nirvana t-shirts or i don't know the doors or whatever let's happen they don't even know what they're wearing this just like forever 21 or h&m decided to make really cheap t-shirts with all these like bands on it that is the worst fucking thing in the world i fucking hate that can can i tell you a, a funny little tidbit hearing uh, you say that uh, yeah um, so last night i was on <laughs> facetime with my sister um she's only 19 um so she's a little sprout and um she i was like her, an infant <laughs> yeah i was like talking to her about you know about the um documentary and um she was telling me about how she knew this girl from her school and uh i guess she was just trying to make new friends because it was like new school and um she sees a girl wearing a nirvana shirt and she goes, oh, I really like your shirt. And she's like, oh, thanks. Like, I really hope I get to see them live one day. <gasps> what? Yep. She did not oh, know. No. She did not know. And how do you not know? Yeah, how do you not know? How do you not know? And um, so. Well, if you're and, 19, maybe you're done. I don't know. And, like, and just like also talking about like the magazines and stuff and, you know, Forever 21 just buying, like, it's just like overcapitalized. There was this poster in the documentary that said, I scream, you scream, we all scream for a fashion cover in Vogue. Mm -hmm. And like, I thought that was really funny because I think that's what like sadly happened to it. But I don't think it's the band's fault. I think it's just like the toxicity of media culture. Yeah, of course. It's not the band's fault at all. I think it's, you know, people, and also like, it's sad to see like what the beginnings of um, that record label, like Sub Pop and like the headquarters and everything. It's really cool. But of course they saw an opportunity to make money and they took advantage of that, you know? Someone was. So I guess they probably feel like if it's going to be someone, I don't want it It to be someone else. It better be me, you know? But the thing about it, and also I think one of the guys from Sub Pop is like, I'm a failed pop musician anyway. Oh, yeah. But like he was in a band, I'm sure. And he was like, well, you know, I guess we can just put all these, these labels, like put all these bands out. And I guess they just, you know... They just had a, the thing is with them that they, I think, kind of thought of it more as a long-term thing. Cause it's, it's really like you're 50, 50 on it. Like Jules, you're in a band. So, you know, you play music, you do super well, you have a good local following and then you end up, I mean, I think at some point, unless it's a complete hobby project from the start, you eventually say, okay, guys, if we end up getting uh, a deal with Sony or a deal with Sub Pop, right? We obviously know the money is going to be different. We know we're going to be giving definitely things up with both deals, but more with Sub Pop will have some control. Sony, we're kind of like on, we're on at their mercy, you know, like, yeah, we're going to get to globally tour. Yeah. We're probably going to get, you know, we're going to get huge record sales, publicity, yada, yada, but it's going to be a huge trade-off. It's like either, I think one of the guys in, in one of the bands was saying, he was like, you guys like, you guys are complaining like i mean granted this is one guy's perspective but he's like everyone's complaining like you guys didn't want this or like you could have not taken it i mean there have been times where you could have not taken it you know so like don't kind of like be self-deprecating about it now because you've Mm -hmm. now you can say that because you have a house probably multiple houses and whatever you want and you can tour and you can do all these things but don't like you know don't kind of like snub your nose at it which i think a lot of people thought kurt cobain was doing 
where he was kind of like, you know, we just wanted to play this and we just wanted to do that. And, and then to, you know, like we just wanted to like be cool and hang out. I'm like, yeah, but you signed to DGC, like you signed to Geffen. Mm, you clearly yeah. knew what that was going to do for your band and you left sub pop. You could have said, no, no, fuck that. Sub pop is our friends. We're going to stay. No, you wanted to make a living at this, you know, like what else yeah. were you going to do? A lot of well, them are like, well, we don't do anything else. And it's also kind of something where, you know, they, they talked about, you know, because Nirvana at first were the underdogs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, those underdog bands who like, because like, I got to be honest, like just because I didn't know a lot of those bands, when like Nirvana started playing in the documentary, I was like, "Oh man, now I like this song." <laughs> you know? Oh, you mean the and, Nirvana songs? Yeah, like what, yeah. when yeah when they just started going in, I was like, "Okay, like this is a good song." And like when you think about like a band like Nirvana once being an underdog, like you, I'm like, "Okay, like I understand why they would want to take that opportunity." Because I see so many bands, like I mean, even including myself, where it's like, you know, you're waiting for that like next big opportunity like oh this will be the you know the time that like this will happen as I've gotten older you know I kind of I'm I'm kind of thankful that I haven't had to be in a situation where like I regret you know like signing to like I remember a bigger um label came to us at one point and um I won't say who um, because he loves to sue people, oh, <laughs> um, okay. but he, I had like one phone call with this person. Um, it's a Canadian label and, uh, there were red flags from the beginning. And I said, I will be signing my life away. Like if we sign with these people, like they are, you know, sharks, <laughs> they're yeah. complete sharks. And like, so I can see why, um, you know, people could feel like, regretful about it but it's also those underdog bands you know just wanting that wanting that big break yeah like such a weird gray area and and you can hear it too when they when they go into um i guess i took notes chronologically but i mean i can just like touch on some things here but jack and dino who i love that they call him the godfather of grunge like as a joke on like the the title when he's talking um he recorded the bleach album and he was also in the band skin yard uh, oh, yeah. for a little while um he's he's so great he looks a lot like david frick who's like the senior music director of rolling stone who has been since like the 70s i think or 80s but they look pretty similar but it's really funny that he was talking about like um like having this like small band like like having like this guy named kurt just call him up be like hey uh i want to come like you know i, I heard i'm friends with the melvins like i want to just yeah. come record like you know one afternoon and he's like okay cool like come on over and then they just come and in five hours they literally knock out bleach and then yeah. like and yeah. then he just and he and then he like he gave him to the sub pop guys and was like you got to hear this but also when you heard that he i think jack and dino recorded the Soundgarden ep and when you heard all the other bands like leading up to it you hear like the scene and how different it is and how raw it is and you're like oh wow this is super cool and then when you hear um nothing to say i think it's like the song that they played and 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 dino said that when he heard nothing to say he's just like oh fuck like you can hear like soundgarden is a fucking yeah. band like they're like 
not that anyone else isn't and that they're less than, but I mean, you, they're just so tight. Like you can just hear how tight they are and you can hear yeah, how tight Nirvana compared, is. Yeah. Like, compared, especially compared to all those bands that like, you kind of get glimpses of, you know? Yeah, totally. And then I think I, I love the first smells like teen spirit. That video was on, I think that that whole audio was on like their box set that came out, but I love that first uh, iteration of yeah. like teen spirit. I don't like what they did to make it totally, a single. Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. changed it a lot. It was way faster. His voice is way higher on yeah. the first one than the one that they did. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool that you kind of see. Yeah, it's so cool to see that the first performance of that song. That's mm-hmm. crazy, you know. Like I never seen that before. Uh, I mean, I don't think obviously this guy could predict that they were going to be huge, but there's no way Nirvana predicted that they were going to be this massive, you know? Like no, no one really did. And this is the thing. And also like. Jules, because you're in a band, you know this, right? It's like a, you either, it's like you're flattered when someone wants to sign you because it's kind of almost like like affirmation that you are talented, right? But then the other half is like, well, do I want to become like really big and commercial? Like, I don't really think you as a musician really know, don't you? Like yeah, because you you never know what's gonna happen. Even you know, there's a lot of bands that are signed and like nothing happens. You know, you, yeah. you can be. I I think actually like again like not gonna say any names, but like I knew someone like who is in a small scene who got signed to Sub Pop, and like we never heard from them again. Um, and like we all thought it was like a big deal, but we like never heard of them again. <laughs> so like, you really never know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. It just um, seems like it's a complete like gambling. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, I can, I can only imagine like being in, I, I just think like a lot of those bands handled it in like the coolest way, but I feel like a, a lot of people now just like seeing, like just seeing time, you know, pass in like the past, what, 30 years, like, um 20 30 years like it's it's almost uh like a different culture where uh back in the day if you did get signed you could uh you could be kind of like little shitheads about it and like fuck with like the journalists and stuff if you do that today i feel like um then you're just kind of blacklisted you're like takashi 69 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the rapper with the rainbow hair who just like trolls <laughs> everyone. Like that's literally his job. Like that's kind of like his music is probably the worst music I've ever heard. And it's like, but his personality, it's just he just trolls. Like that's how he's famous, you know, because he mm-hmm. just has that personality and he just doesn't give a fuck and he's just su- super crazy. Yeah. At least watching watching what's her name like talk about starting rumors i was like damn i'm gonna do that next time i know <laughs> like, right like, like, so what, what happened like oh so funny i, I love wait was she like a sub uh pop employee yeah i think she used yeah. to be i love how she's like like the new york's time call her and they were asking all these things and she was just like making up like words like mm-hmm. they were like tight shorts that she will make up a word like a slang word or they whatever. have their like, hold on i'm gonna find it because i know lame stain is one of the ones that they use so funny. Um, i'm gonna find it because uh, they're like all of the all of the words that they use it's really funny i have to say that i do love how the film opens where it says seattle is currently to rock and roll what bethlehem was to christianity it's like oh whoa. my god yeah i, like, I love i was like wow we're we're fucking in oh here we go okay so 
apparently she said that uh bloated big bag of bloatation is drunk bound and hagged is staying home on a friday or saturday night Cobb Nobbler is a loser. Dish <laughs> is a desirable guy. Fuzz is heavy wool sweaters. Harsh realm means bummer. Kickers is heavy boots. Lame stain is an uncool person. Platts is platform shoes. Uh, rock on means a happy goodbye. Score means great. Swinging on the flippity flop, which is my favorite. <laughs> That means hanging out. Tom Tom Club means uncool outsiders, and wax slacks means old rip jeans. <laughs> I love that. I love. Her. She seems so pretty funny. cool. Yeah, she does. It's it's super funny, and I think um, it says that Daniel House, the head of CZ Records, commissioned Art Chantry, who's one of the guys who was like hacking up the flyers with the oh, paper yeah. cutter. That guy. Yeah. He uh, was commissioned to design a Lexicon T-shirt that people started wearing after the um after like the article and because oh. people started wearing apparently it says people started wearing the actual clipping from the article on their shirts at grunge shows oh wow and so he does cool. he designed a shirt that said lame stain or a harsh realm on the front and then in a large copy it says of the lexicon on the back which i was like oh i want that shirt <laughs> i bet it's probably like worth a fucking ton of money but um it sounds really cool yeah, I think it's like cool to see like uh, the beginning of the doc is very like inspiring. You know, it's like you're learning about a place that has its own thing going on. Um, lots of people just playing for themselves and their friends, and like it's just like the beginning of something. You know, like it's that's always cool in any sort of movement or like scene. You know, yeah, um, was- and I. Okay, yes, no, 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 you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there was one really funny, um, it's just because I watched, I used to watch The Real World all the time. They were in Seattle in the 97 season and they had to work at a radio station. And I remember being like, oh my God, it's so fucking cooler in Seattle. Granted, this was like alternative rock times. This was not grunge times. So they had to do like promotion for bands and they had to do all this stuff for the, the radio station. And they <laughs> they went to some band's show and then they came back to their house and they were like, so what kind of music are you guys? And they're like, I thought you guys were grunge. And they're like, no, come on. We're over that. <laughs> we're so over that now. Yeah, that's like, cool. We're not into it at all. Really- I also, I, I love seeing like uh, Charles Peterson's ph- photography. Oh, like, I know. All those photos that he had. Oh my God. He took like really iconic fucking the, Yeah, like the iconic photos. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's just like imagine being like an artist in Seattle at that time. Just yeah. you, like anything, graphic designer, like um, photographer, whatever. Um, and I just really genuinely love the headquarters of Sub Club or Sub Pop. Oh yeah, it was cool. That just look, it just looked cool, and all the stickers on the wall. Um, the building looked a bit fancy, but you know. Yeah, it was like a loft building. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, do they have that whole building? But I'm sure they have a floor. No, they probably have. <laughs> yeah, they probably have a floor or half. Yeah, it was. I also was gonna. We're gonna talk about the film Singles, eventually, which was done by Cameron Crowe, and it's like it's like the grunge move, like Hollywood movie, and um, it's like a rom com kind of sort of, but it's set in Seattle in like the early '90s. But uh, Eddie Vedder's in it, and a few other members of Pearl Jam, and I think 
Chris Cornell might be in it as well. Alice in Chains. Like it literally has a incredible soundtrack and they asked Nirvana to do it. And they were like, there, it's a really funny interview that a Canadian interview that they did. And they're like, yeah, did you hear about like Kurt's like, Oh, did you, did you tell him what I said when they asked me if I wanted to do that, that, uh, that single, the, the thing. And they're like, no. And he was like, I said, fuck no, <laughs> Don't do that shit. like no way. And it was just funny because they're like the one of the, t- of the big four that isn't in the movie or on the soundtrack. And it's almost like, I don't want to say it's exploitative, but it's definitely like, it's definitely using that scene as like a backdrop to be like, oh, okay, this is what's big right now. Let's do a set of, uh, you know, young people looking for love, but in the backdrop of Seattle and, and the sound and, and you see all these really cool kind of landmarks that probably aren't even there now. Cause I, they showed the mother love bone. Um, it's like this big wall, that graffiti where there was like a construction oh, yeah. going up. Well, you see like that actually, and you see all the old clubs and everything oh, cool. that they used to play in, which I think one of them, the guy was like, that's a comedy club now. Like that used to be a house. Like that used to be a show house. Like, so it's pretty cool. I think it was made in 92. So we'll, we'll talk about it uh, for sure on another episode, but, but yeah, it's, it's really funny that like all those, they kind of made it like a movie. They kind of made it like one of those kind of, if anyone's seen it out there, I think some people actually requested singles because it's, very 90s and very grunge i guess but um yeah it's kind of funny it's it's not a i mean it's you can tell it's like a hollywood movie you know but i've never seen it yeah it's, i mean i think you'll like it the soundtrack's incredible the song drown by the smashing pumpkins is on that which is like one of my favorite smashing pumpkin songs uh which is so crazy i also oh yeah i, I have a quick question yeah so what's that so you know like like i said before this i was like I realized that I did not know what, you know, what grunge fully was. So is Smashing Pumpkins not considered grunge? No. Damn, see? you. I learn something new every day. Have you ever <laughs> listened to the podcast, Your Favorite Band Sucks? I've heard about it. Oh, oh my God. Oh, shit. Okay, I think I said it to Jai. There's... No, no I've, I've listened to it. I listened to oh, the dude, Smashing it's Pumpkins and Nirvana. It's hilarious it's great it's these guys who literally just talk all this shit about like everyone's favorite band and they have like they have a ton of episodes they actually did a three-parter on aerosmith which i can't wait to listen to but they just talk all this shit they're like god nirvana's so fucking shit like why does everyone like them same with smashing pumpkins they're like and they it's so funny because they played i think one of the early songs from Gish, they played it like sped up and they're like, this sounds way better. Listen to this. And then I was like, okay, shit, he's kind of right. He was like, this is a slow down my bloody Valentine riff (laughs) that they all, that he fucking sings over with his weird voice. And like, listen, if I speed this shit up, listen to this song. And I was like, this kind of sounds better. (laughs) Like it's really (laughs) crazy. I was like, oh yeah. I feel like my, I feel like Smashing Pumpkins, now that I heard that podcast, they do have a lot of, like, shoegazy elements. Like, they're not that hard. I mean, they have some songs that are pretty hard, but it's very shoegazy. It's very, like, you know, bedroom pop before that was a thing. True. Um, Very true. Yeah, so I don't think they're grunge at all. Like, they don't have a... They don't have that sound. Not for me. And they're from Chicago. Well, yeah. I just thought they were rock too. Like they're like know. alternative rock. Like they <laughs> yeah. they came out early, but they got lumped in with grunge. I think because they were like ninety three. Like you know they had Gish, which was so huge, and then they had like Siamese Dream. Mm-hmm. You know, like but those are not grunge yeah. records. That that's interesting that like you bring that up because yeah, la- last night when I was watching the documentary, like 
I was, um, you know, I was kind of saying how like, you know, yeah, I listened to, um, almost like a, a different side of like nineties music. And when like shoegaze was like a big thing, like I really loved shoegaze bands. Um, but I still kind of like, I didn't think those shoegaze bands were grunge, but I guess I like always just kind of, um, and maybe this is cause I was like kind of separated from the scene. Like I would just put it with that because I was like, Oh, it's, fuzzy rock music <laughs> yeah yeah totally um, like distorted if it's distorted it's grunge yeah but i guess that's very true because like with with like billy corgan's or william <laughs> um, is he william is he william patrick corgan now yeah he, he doesn't want to be called billy anymore <laughs> okay All right. um i'll give him but... a pass because god he's, that man can write a goddamn song so <laughs> i mean um we won't get into his politics. Um, no, no, we don't please, want to get into no, that. No, no, but yeah, like, but yeah, I think that was don't, the thing. Don't like, do it. I was kind of taken back a little bit, like especially at the beginning of the documentary with like the vocal styling, mm-hmm. um, because I think I'm so used to almost like that. If it's not, you know, like Kurt Cobain, like I'm so used to almost like a softer vocal style, even with, you know, like there are points in Soundgarden where, you know, he would get very soft at times, like um, in slower songs, or even if it was fucking heavy and he wasn't like, you know, belting out lyrics, like, I don't know. It, it was just interesting to see like, Oh, Hey, like this was actually a very specific sound and style because I think it's so easy like we're saying to put a label on things it's kind of lazy <laughs> yeah yeah no, it totally is like do you you don't like it when people describe your band with other bands or do you not mind oh i hate it you hate I it absolutely okay hate it like i i can't tell you how many times someone has been like oh she sounds like bjork or she sounds like you know this band japanese breakfast like both good bands uh, or artists but like i hate it but I, that's I, not me it, so yeah. how, how would you describe your sound um in three words how would you describe your sound i'd say dreamy uh, um, yeah, dreamy definitely yeah ag- aggressive sometimes mm-hmm. like it has like a an aggr- like that candy like, song that yeah <laughs> um and then um yeah that it's so it's so hard uh it, I feel like probably every artist like has that issue. Like it's so hard to describe like what you do. But would you say pop at all? Yeah, I would say pop. Okay. Yeah, I would say pop. Pop's not a dirty word. Yeah. Like, cause I think Nirvana is more pop than they are punk. Totally. Like if you think about it, like those songs are very, like you can hear like a John Lennon Beatles, f- even though it's way harder it still has that same oh yeah they were feeling pop. yeah but and yeah fighters were pop too you know I mean, totally. yeah yeah more yeah i don't think i i think like at a point people thought pop was a bad word but i i really love pop music <laughs> i feel like a lot of the like indie rock scene is mostly just pop music with distortion on their guitars yeah i mean everyone becomes pop if you become popular I mean, you essentially become, like, pop. Unless you're, like, Metallica. Well, <laughs> I have to say, sorry, everyone, but, but Radiohead obviously isn't pop. Okay, no, well, yeah, not that's everyone. True. That's true. But, like, you would put them in a... I guess I I would think of pop as in 
popular. Like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be defined. Not as in like pop music, like Britney Spears. You see, I always thought of pop. I mean, even now, I kind of think of pop as like mainstream commercial sound. Yeah, like, like top forty. It's very. It's like Lady Gaga. Yikes. Yeah, and yeah. hip hop. Um, hip hop is like pop. Yeah, it's kind of like it? I don't even know. I think. Well, I, I mean, it's it's the, it's top forty. I guess. Yeah, it's anything that's in the charts. Yeah, yeah it's like that. Super like Drake is pop. Like, granted, he's like hip hop or R and B or whatever, but he's still pop. Like, he's a pop artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he's so huge. Same with Kanye. Like, they're pop. You know, they're like so big that they like, yeah, I, and obviously Beyonce is, but she's like R and B if you want to say she is, but but she's pop. Because she's so massive. I know you guys are going to hate this uh, hot take of mine Uh-oh. that what? I'm about to bring up. Hot but, take. Um, my, my hot take for the podcast is, um, like, who was the last person to have the the um, the mass movement, like Kurt Cobain? Or and, and Yeah, who, who's not him. And I think Kanye is, even, even though I don't, um like his political viewpoints or who he is as a person but like just socially i since kurt cobain and kanye is like the only person i can think of like because we don't have like rock musicians anymore we have hip-hop um and like yeah (laughs) i I know it's not a popular take but He's like the closest person I can think of because but, like who is in the who is in the you know tabloids since like Kurt and Courtney I mean yeah Kurt and Courtney it's Kim and um, Kanye here would be like, okay uh, you go Jai no like, you go you go. I I feel like it's really hard I feel like you can't I feel like that's kind of unfair to say in a way because I kind of feel like Kurt Cobain is on a separate pedestal, you know, like, That's I feel true. like, because he wasn't, he wasn't an outspoken person. It was yeah, more like, that was my he thing. just happened to be, or oh, everyone was obsessed with him and he happened to be on the tabloids, but he wasn't outspoken. He didn't want to be famous like that. He didn't, you know what I mean? Like, true. Yeah. And like Kanye is kind of a cult leader. Well, and also I feel like I anyone know. after that who's been really big, uh, all these pop stars, they are even, I mean, Britney Spears to a certain extent, like was, like all of them, uh, kind of they enjoy that to a certain extent, right? Because we know that Britney's messed up because of fucking media and stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't I feel like, Hashtag free Yeah, yeah free Britney. I feel yeah. like Kanye obviously... He loves that. He loves the drama. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's why he says yeah. stuff because he wants to like the thing about the thing about Kanye that I will give him credit for because I don't completely hate him in every in every sense of the word. He's an incredible producer. Um, he definitely was a quote unquote visionary, um, or is. Yeah. I mean, he's, no. he he is a visionary in in the hip hop genre. He is. Like he in the hip hop genre, college dropout is a massive staple. If yeah, you if you true. talk to anyone who's like a hip hop aficionado, they will definitely say that either either it's college dropout or I think it's graduation day. Is that the next one? Those two albums like set the foundation for every hip hop we hear today. Sampling, um, just like features, like everything. Like he broke a lot of artists. He had his own group going where he had a lot of like independent guys that he was trying to get going. I mean, he produced all of Jay-Z's best shit. Everything you hear that's Jay-Z's that's good is a Kanye beat. 
So he, he definitely had that going for him. But I think obviously, like you said, Jai, that he is really outspoken. Obviously we didn't have Twitter when Kurt Cobain was around. So I feel like every outspoken thing that you get from him was in an interview. It was never like unprovoked. Like he never wanted to do an interview with anyone, but Kanye will go to the New York times and be like, I want to talk to you. Yeah, I want to tell you all everything I'm thinking. But that's right now. because he's very arrogant. I well, mean, yeah, that's because that's and he's also used a narcissistic. I know. Yeah. Oh, totally. But he's I also like- used the machine to his advantage. Like he knows that when he pops off and acts crazy, he's got a record coming out. He's got shoes coming out. He's got something going on to keep his name out there. Like that's what he does. I mean, he's just using. He's kind of like using the media to his advantage because he knows the shit that he says is not popular. He knows that he's not. I mean, I think even if he doesn't know that, he knows people around him know that. And I know he's got people around him being like, uh, do you really want to say that? Like, I don't know. You should think about it. And he's probably like, yeah, I want to say it. I don't care. And they're like, okay. Like, we're not, we're going to tell him it's not a good idea. But if he wants to do it, like, he's going to do it. So yeah. I, it's just, I feel like it's just different with Kurt because like he never wanted to speak to media. Like that was never like, cause they always twisted everything he said. But with Kanye, it's very much like, okay, before they, like, paint me this way, I'm going to say whatever I want to say, even though it's, like, half-cocked and kind of crazy. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they they have similarities, but then they also have, like, massive differences. But this is, like, a 20-year gap. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I feel like they send really anyone, like... Yeah, I don't think so. Not as far as a rock star. No, I... Who like yeah. thinks they're like a Lennon? I mean, obviously, Kurt never thought he was a Lennon. I don't. I don't think. I mean, I know he really admired the Beatles, but I don't think he ever thought think, like I'm a I Lennon. I think Liam and Noel Gallagher. They think that. Do they? <laughs> yeah. Do they really? Oh, yeah. I think oh, it's yeah. Liam's birthday today. He's 48. It's a hard He's 48, cool. but you yeah. know. I mean, you know, I like them, but yeah, they definitely did say some crazy. They have said crazy. But are they serious? The or are they just trolling? Like, I think Liam is serious. Yeah, I don't think he... I mean, I don't know. I think it's quite hard with him to know if he um, genuinely believes that. But he's, like, super arrogant, too, you know? Like, I don't know. I mean, and the Beatles said, too, they were bigger than God. You know, it's kind of like... Oh, the Beatles said that? Yeah, do you not remember? Yeah, there's even a song where, like, John Lennon's talking about how they're going to crucify him. Well... It's funny. I mean, obviously, do you remember as if I had been around in the 60s when yeah, they said it? Yeah, I was like, did you hear that documentary? <laughs> I was like, I didn't hear that. No, no, they did. They got a lot of shit from it. From oh, wow. They they kind of said, it's not like they said, like, openly, we're bigger than God, but there it was some kind of um, journalist where it was like a, yeah, I can't remember, like a release or like a press release or whatever and there were so many journalists and someone asked something and they were like yeah we're bigger than god like it was kind of weird like oh, le- weird. look it up see if there is a video somewhere um you know we won't get I mean, into my other hot take for this podcast what the beatles are overrated folks oh no so, come on yeah give him some credit give him some credit come on I'll give him credit, but that doesn't change my opinion of thinking that they're overrated. I don't get it. I sit on the fence because um, I like I grew up listening to the Beatles. I did not, and I I still love the Beatles. But I, you know, I can't deny that um, John Lennon was a wife beater. (laughs) 
Ooh. He's a little problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a little oh, wait, but, <laughs> but let's just talk about their talent, shall we? Well, like, we can't get into that. We're gonna end up like a, on a whole, uh, a whole other, whole other podcast. On. He was an insane writer. Like, yeah, what? The, the, those songs still stick with me. If I'm having a bad day, I'll listen to a, a Beatles song and I'll feel better. I listened to the covers. Sorry, guys. I did. De- I definitely. <laughs> I mean, I love to know what like your um audience thinks oh about the beatles yeah Yeah. oh should i do i should do a poll i i guess i should have done this when uh i started but when i started the episode but yeah that'd be really funny okay uh i i will do a poll i'll do a poll today uh just settling a score i'll do one on facebook and on instagram so follow the page there Uh, but this is probably going to come out whenever although i don't know maybe this can come out early Maybe we can put this one out on Wednesday and I'll do the poll on Wednesday. Cool. So then you guys can all listen to it. And when you're listening, you can go to the poll. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's not like I'm going to tell you about a poll that you can't vote in. So, so yeah, maybe we'll do that and I'll bump this up to Wednesday. But um, yeah, I mean, I have so many more notes. If you want to, if you guys have anything else to uh, bring up before I get into a, a bit more notes that I have yeah, here. Yeah, go into your notes. Um, let's yeah. see. I really love the fact... Okay, this isn't another documentary, which I'll send you guys. It's a BBC series, a seven-part series they did on the history of rock. I love a rock doc. I could watch them all day long. So I, we should do more uh, on the podcast. because I th- I, I've seen that. It's quite old, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Super old. But there's one... It was on TV once. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you saw it. I In think London, it was yeah. on like VH1 or something and I like taped it, but I found it and I like downloaded them and everything. But they talk... There's one episode where they talk about uh, American alternative rock and they talk about how R.E.M. and Black Flag were one of the first bands to kind of go up to the Pacific Northwest because no one toured there, as they all talked about in the beginning. That's why a lot of them were starting bands and stuff, because they're like, people just didn't come this far north. Like, there was only, like, two clubs you could play, and it just was kind of hard if you didn't know anyone in the scene. So Black Flag and R.E.M. did, like, a huge tour, and they kind of, like, piggybacked on each other. Like, one would play the Thursday, the other one would play the Friday. So, like, Henry Rollins and Michael Stipe were talking about it. And one of the first shows that... Kurt and Chris went to was a black flag show um, up in like, not even in their town of Aberdeen, like another small town. And they were like, we were just blown away by this like new hardcore and just like how great it was. And they came up here and all that kind of stuff, which I thought is really cool. Cause I fucking love Henry Rollins as most people know, um, oh, cool. which I think is super cool. Um, I also, this also reminds me of Iceland in the same way of like the temperature climate and everyone plays music there because it's just mm. such a small community and it's almost like the same thing you said with England as well. Um, that it's even smaller, obviously in Iceland. So they all like borrow each other's instruments and my friends in a band in Iceland. And he was like, Oh yeah. Like everybody knows everyone. There's no competition. We've got labels here and we put our stuff out and you know, we're just all friends and it's like this big community, uh, which is super cool. I wonder if there's a documentary on, on like Icelandic music, like the scene around it. Yeah. There's so many great bands in Iceland. So, you know, what's really interesting about that, that all like, well, not all, but those bands that I was talking to you about before in that previous podcast, like, um, Kiasmos and Mm -hmm. they're a lot of, they're from there. They're from Iceland. Oh, cool. It totally makes sense, but it's a completely different genre. It's like neoclassical music. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's still music, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's super cool, and you can kind of tell like Scandinavian uh, music too. It <laughs> has like this mysticism. To mm-hmm. it. It's super cool, and even their hard stuff. Like uh, my my friend who's in the band, he's like super into Nirvana, and I remember we played. Uh, well, no, he played a show, and I took some photos and of him and his band playing and everything, and I was like, "This is so cool! This is so rad that you guys are all friends, and there just seems to be like this big camaraderie, and everyone's like hanging out, and you're friends with Bjork's son, which is really cool and weird." And that weird that you see her around town, like buying a fridge, like, <laughs> like weird <laughs> stuff like that. He was like, yeah, I, I see her around town. It's not really, you know, it's cool. It's not a, a big deal. But I was like, that's so cool. I would lose it. <laughs> I would lose it. Um, and then I have, I love the names of these bands. I wrote down a few of my favorite names. Uh, I love it. This guy was talking about this band called Butt Sweat. Oh. <laughs> and they were all like, no, that guy was in Butt Sweat. No, he wasn't. And he was like, he was in another band. And I thought that was really funny. Some <laughs> Velvet Sidewalk, I think is pretty cool. That's a really Throne cool Ops. They had some one called Throne Ops. Mm-hmm. Throw Ops. Throw, throw Ops, yeah. I was like, gosh. Um, Poo Poo Box, apparently, was what Nirvana was going to be called. Uh, same with like Spina Bifida and like Whisker Biscuit. I saw one called Cat Butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like a big one. Cat Butt's kind of a big one. Um, and then uh, I love Malfunction just because I love the way it's spelled. Like that it's spelled like Malfunction, which is pretty cool. Uh, the bands, wh- what were some bands that you liked that you saw that you hadn't heard of before? I definitely um, liked the Gits. Yeah. Um, like like we talked about at, at the opening of the podcast, like um, – I, I really liked her voice and I liked their sound because it almost had more of like a, a punk attitude to it than some of the others. Like, um, oh man, I forget which, what other band, but there was one where like, I just was not digging this one um, lead singer's voice. And, uh, and then the gits came on and I was like, oh dang, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I looked them up right after Cause I was like, I really like this. And, that was super fun to like be able to find them in the documentary. Yeah. Um, they have that one on prime too. So what, I, what happened to the lead singer? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mia Zapata was murdered. Um, oh. Wait, no wait. Is this the one who had the headphones on? Oh, I don't know if she had headphones on. I know that she was leaving a venue in 93. Yes. Does she have headphones on? Yes. Um. Yeah. If this is the correct person, like literally, it's funny that I know this because my father was telling me about this singer. No way. Was, yeah. Because he was like worried that that was going to happen to me. Oh my gosh. Well, she was literally walking, I think, less than a block to her apartment. Or where she lived, like, from this venue. So I guess nobody left with her because they were like, oh, she lives right around the corner. And it was, like, super late. It was, like, 2 in the morning or something like that. And then I think at 3.30, like, somebody found her in the street, like, raped and strangled. That's what? Just, yeah. So terrible. really fucked because they were. Sorry, where, where was this? In Seattle. Oh, in 93 yeah. I think July the, of 93 that's why it, I mean I thought it was crazy that they mentioned right at the beginning that Seattle was this city where they had like shitty weather mm-hmm. it had the most serial killers mm-hmm. like crimes unresolved mm-hmm. like the Manson like, oh. family vacationed up there yeah, that guy. I was like really or are you trolling I don't, I don't know 
I was like, oh god. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking so sad. Like oh. they were another band that reminds me of I mean, obviously it's completely different, not to compare the two, but Mother Love Bone, which is like one of my favorite bands out of the whole scene, which they're not necessarily grunge, but mm-hmm. they are more of like Andrew Wood was was the lead singer of Mother Love Bone. And a lot of those guys came from I think it's Green River. And then they came, they came and formed Mother Love Bone. And then they en- ended up, a lot of the guys ended up going into Pearl Jam. But Mother Love Bone had this amazing lead singer named Andrew Wood who died of heroin the night before their national tour was about to oh, go. God. And he, oh, he was like, they say he, I think they talk about him in the documentary. They're like, he was the only like rock and roll, like stand up comedian. Like he was just, oh yeah. He, and his fashion sense yeah. was incredible. It's like super glammy, but like boho and kind of grungy. Like he's, just really fucking cool. And that's a really, really great album too. And when he died, uh, they, a lot of the members of, uh, well, I guess of mother love bone. And then some of the other bands in the scene, like, uh, Chris Cornell formed temple of the dog. And that whole album is like a tribute to and Andrew Wood, which has my favorite song hunger strike on it. That everyone fucking is like, Ooh, the fucking song that album is incredible. And it's so beautiful. And, and it's just great yeah it's just super um, great yeah but yeah i, I really like um mud honey actually yeah like they're one of the they first bands cool. I, think I heard about they sound really cool yeah they're super cool they're like still around and they were in what 88 they got signed to sub pop in 88 so that's like super early yeah yeah they're like crazy early and it's weird too that they got a uk uh, journalist How to funny. come to Seattle to like write about it. Well, I mean, of course they got him, but they, I don't think you know. There's no way they would have paid him to say exactly to sell it that well. Like they just so it's like a marketing strategy. So let's just get this guy over and why not? And yeah, who yeah. Thought that that guy put them on the map, put like the Seattle scene on the map. You yeah, know? I also thought it was sorry. No, oh, yeah, go sorry. on. No, I just thought it's funny that do that English guy that they interview. He's like, I think he's like a maybe a producer or like he owns a record label. And he's like, yeah, before you had all these bands that I hated, they're just like posy, they're punsy posy, and I just wanted to see someone bashing it out. It's just such so funny. Yeah, it is really funny. And also that one guy said like to get back onto sub pop. Um, the guys said like when they started it, they were like we saw Motown and we saw them become like a hit factory and like we wanted to do that. Like we wanted to like have the hits, you know, like we didn't want to just produce a bunch of indie bands. Like they clearly wanted to be the next like major label of the area and of the sound and kind of like the, it seems like the gatekeepers of the sound, like if sub pop, like they, like the guy was saying like, Oh, they had like things stamped Seattle. Like first it wasn't even about, First it was like the music and then it was all of a sudden about sub pop. It was like, Oh, everyone knew what sub pop was. And then if you got on sub pop, that was like the Seattle stamp of approval, like Mm. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Like, and it was just everywhere. That's all people were talking about. And they were like, God, this is just the town that we were all in. Like this has nothing to do with like the Seattle sound. Like, what does that mean? Like even Mm -hmm. the DC sound, like, what does that mean? What does the New York sound mean? What does the LA sound see? Like, I mean, there's different sounds all over the city. Yeah. Like, Jimi Hendrix is from Seattle. Like, he doesn't sound like them. Like, no, of course. Yeah. So, like, but that again, that's lazy. You can't really say just because you come from one place. It's like, there's, you know, 
this specific sound to to go with that that city. Yeah, and they were trying to just like form just yeah, just like a blanket statement. Like I just wrote, uh, I love the performance of Smells Like Teen Spirit, the first one. I was like, it's insane how good that sound that yeah. song still is. So good. Like it's just kind of crazy. And then I love the uh they show all the different magazine covers and I love that one article that said, Honey, I blew up the amp. <laughs> Which I, th- oh, yeah. I think I'm going to name the episode, <laughs> Honey, I Blew Up the Amp. Okay, that was kind of funny. And I love Eddie Vedder's interviews. He's so great. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, I like him too. I think I love what he cool. says. He, he like, he's just a very sensitive guy. You can see, like, he's kind of saying with pain, like, yeah, we didn't want to become mainstream, you know. That that was never intended. And it, you just kind of had to roll with it almost. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. And now they're all still you know he's the he's the last one he's the last one True. he's the last one the last of the big four he's the last vocalist how sad so sad what what about alice in Chains? yeah lane staley died in 2001 the oh, same what? day as kurt cobain heroin overdose oh shit. literally the same day as kurt cobain like seven years yeah, later isn't that crazy wait but it wasn't just heroin right yeah yeah really yeah i think so I mean, heroin overdose. That's what that's what it's listed as saying. I mean, maybe it could have been something else too. Was it you yeah. saying you were saying? Yeah, it was me. Yeah, it was you. Yeah, you were saying that like it's impossible to just die from that. Yeah, it's normally like they've been doing all the drugs or they've been drinking a lot, and it's a combination. But it's not just heroin. It probably is. Oh, or okay. Like, a mixture of what? heroin and cocaine. Yeah, you see? Yeah. Like, it's not... It's, I don't think... It has to... It, it's a reaction of heroin with something else that causes death. Oh, not okay. just... Yeah. Because, like, th- read about all the, these people who die of, apparently, heroin overdose, and it's something else. It's what about like, Kurt Cobain? Was, didn't he have a lot of hair? Oh, he had the gunshot, though. He had the gunshot. Yeah, yeah. Which I still... Sorry, two things. Okay, one, I am so glad, so thankful they did not mention Courtney. Love. I know. Well, she's, yes, she's not a yes. part of the scene, though. Well, I know, but a lot of people put her in that. Yeah, like, yeah, totally, like, brunch. Yeah. So I was so happy to see that and not fucking interviews because she fucking annoys me. And the second one, I just kind of see anything about Kurt Cobain that makes me think she was the reason or she kind of not exactly was the reason but she definitely contributed to him uh to killing himself that earlier than he could you know what I mean like I do think he he was gonna end up that way but I think he could have been around longer hadn't she been in his life you know yeah well the rumor the rumor on the street is allegedly um, they were. He was trying to get a divorce from her before all this happened. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember being eleven, finding out that he shot himself, and I like, reading up like Enemy and all these magazines, you know, like mm-hmm. publications about it. And I remember thinking that, and it kind of stayed with me forever. She was the reason why he fucking died. Like, have you seen like, Soaked in Bleach? Have you I don't seen- know. It's like a. I want to say it's like a doc. It's like a documentary, but loose documentary slash like kind of unreliable tale. But it paints yeah. the picture of like Courtney did it. Like yeah. they talked well, to like PIs yeah. and all that kind of shit. Wait, I did oh, see that. Yeah. I saw that, and they talked to like to um, his family, to his yeah. dad. 
yeah and and mm-hmm. yeah to, to her dad and yeah. like her dad was like i fucking hate that girl like like she like he was basically like spilling the beans and being like she did it i think she wrote a i think he wrote a book and like he, he wasn't he talking about how like the uh courtney had like paid someone oh is that curtain courtney are you thinking of that documentary that, oh, like maybe nick broomfield thinking- did where they interviewed yeah. that dude it was like courtney paid me 50 grand yeah, 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 I think yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe so. I haven't seen Soaked in Now I'm thinking the one where they interview her father, right? They interview yeah, her I dad and both. Her... They interview oh, yeah, okay. both of them. Which, to be honest, could also come that to he's just trying to make money, get some publicity by talking rubbish about her and like, making up lies. But yeah, you never know. And I, I feel like my only hope is that when she dies, which hopefully will happen before Dave Grohl dies, he might feel comfortable to tell the story. I feel like he Do you obviously- think they know something? No, maybe not exactly like the truth, but I feel like they have so much to say and they've never spoken about about that. I think it's you know? probably really, it's probably tough. Like, I mean, there were, I remember seeing a interview with Chris and he was saying, even though um, he's, on my uh shit list um like i remember him (laughs) he was saying like who Uh, the the basis from nirvana he has some questionable political ideas yeah so we're just pretending he doesn't exist but this person who doesn't exist uh (laughs) like i remember in the um oh my god what was the it was the documentary that Francis... Oh, Montage uh, like, of Heck? Yeah, Montage yeah. of Heck. Like, there's a point where he was just, like, trying not to cry. And he was, like, you know, there were so many signs. And, like, he was, like, trying to tell us, like, through, you know, music. Or, you know, just, you know, it was there, but we didn't see it. Yeah, well, they wanted to call the last album, I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. Like, oh, that's God. what he wanted to call the last album. So I know that also there's a really inter- interesting interview with Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses. And he was, I believe, one of the last people to see him alive. He was on the plane with him from L.A. to Seattle um, when he uh, skipped that rehab in, in L.A. And uh, he was like, man, if only, like, I, you know, had invited him over to my house or, like, you know, I, I obviously I didn't know. But he's like, but when it came out, I think it was on, like, Howard Stern or something. And he was like, but obviously when the news came out and everyone, even, like, Buzz from uh, the Melbournes, they're like, we all, like, it wasn't a shock. Like, if it was a murder, I mean, it would have been, like, you know, like a fucking crazy thing. But I, I think it might have, I don't doubt that he committed suicide, like, you know, that, but I don't, I, I mean, mean I just, but again, you could argue that she saw that as an opportunity because he was so open and kind of everyone saw him like really bad, you know, that, that, that was expected. I do think there is a tiny possibility that she did it, you know, I still kind of really. Yeah, and I also feel that either either if she hadn't, let's say, even if it hadn't ended that way, he probably would have died in in another way. You know what I mean? Like by an overdose or something, because he was just in such a dark place. I feel like he just kind of was sick of this world, you know. But I I, I think it's kind of crazy how it happened, and yeah, I, I don't know. I I do think for many years that she did it. I, I saw that for like 15 years, I think. I don't, I mean, I still like, don't know. I still have, 
yeah, I still am. I'm still don't, I don't know. Like I, I, there's just now when we see so much about the media and like so much of what we know is not what it is and they make it look a certain way. Like they'll put certain stories out that this is the case. And then this isn't the case. And there were so many things that came out about, about them as a couple and like with a family that like wasn't true. And they were kind of like trying to paint them in this way. And also I think people really discount. I mean, I don't know personally. I mean, I've had like secondary experiences, like knowing people close to me uh, who've dealt with addiction and like some of them haven't survived, but it's addiction is very personal and very, obviously very different for everyone. And it's, it's hard to, I mean, obviously you shouldn't judge anyone, but it's even more sick when like the media judges people who have addictions. And now it seems like, it seems like now it's more of a, uh, now we've become a bit more compassionate and, and understanding when people need to take time off, like what happened with Demi Lovato, like how she overdosed. And it was like a huge thing. And everyone's like, Oh, sending prayers, sending prayers. Oh my gosh. I hope she's okay. Like we've become much more of a, I think compassionate situation or like society because we now have like opioids and like other things that it's just more widespread. Like the same type of addiction is way more widespread instead of like back in the nineties, it was like, you're dirty or fucking junkie. Mm. Uh, you know, like we expected this, you guys are just a mess. Like, I mean, and, and who, and you just don't know, like it's completely unpredictable. And you know, if she's in the throes of this with him. Like you just don't know what to expect. So of course the media is going to paint it like she's a junkie. She got him on it and she, you know, like then an X, Y, and Z happened, but it's like, we just don't know. I'm really curious to read Courtney's memoir that I heard that she's been working on for a while. So but I feel like how much can you actually trust? Like, I don't know. Well, I don't know, but I'm still, I still want to hear it. Like I I, definitely don't. I, 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 or I still want to, I mean, like read it. Um, So dry. Um, I I totally respect uh, your opinions on Courtney Love. I just think it'll be funny for me to put this out here. Uh-oh. The last <laughs> one of the last um, podcasts we did, we did uh, like favorite women in '90s rock, I know, mm-hmm. which I always love to. was on my list. <laughs> I, I know I, I listened to it. <laughs> Hell, I don't hold it against you. You know, like it's fun. I don't hold the fact that like <laughs> you guys like the Beatles against you guys either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we are we are we're open-minded individuals. Yeah, and I want to talk to Courtney. I want to talk to Courtney. Let's not get crazy now. I mean, I want to have an episode where I I'm mean, like, let's have a sit down. What the I fuck, said, girl? <laughs> I'm just waiting for a Dave Grohl's memoir where I get to hear a different side of, you know, like what it was like because you got that book by the by their manager, but I feel like yeah, mm-hmm. that's not he can't tell the whole story, and I feel like. Not that they were can, but he definitely was a runner. He was friends with him, and he was in a band right to the end. And so he I was feel... sober. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly, he was. Yeah. So he can and be he's like, also okay. a fucking great human. So I totally believe anything that he says. I love that Jules bandmates think that Dave Grohl is like <laughs> so. Like, they're just like I feel like love to troll me about uh, uh, liking Nirvana <laughs> and like 
thinking Dave Grohl is cool. They're like, I can't believe you think Dave Grohl is cool. It's like, he's <laughs> from the area, first of all. He's so fucking How you guys cool. have not, like, reached out and become, like, buddy-buddy with him? Because he probably would be, because he's fucking cool. Maybe, maybe I should do it. You should. You should be like, hey, guys, I got us a gig to open for the Foo Fighters. You motherfuckers would jump so fast. Don't even tell me that you guys would be like, oh, no, that's too cool. Like, no, come on, man. That would be, can you imagine having him play drums in Deadmate? Like, if he was like, hey, let me sit in for a song. They wouldn't all be like, oh, no, no, we can't have Dave Grohl. No, you guys would be like, fuck yeah, let's fucking go. Like, well, maybe they wouldn't because I'd be intimidated by him. I mean, I would be. Yeah, yeah, I would be. Did you see that he's been, like, drumming, doing, like, a drum off with that 10-year-old girl? Yeah. Like, so cool. He, like, wrote a song oh, for her and she's been, like, God. drumming back and forth with him. It's so cool. How cool is she? She's so fucking cool. Like, li- she is the... Like if I ever have a daughter, time. that's exactly yeah. who she's gonna be. Like she's going to be that girl. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, you're getting a drum set. This is what you're doing. I'll, I'll be her teacher. <laughs> yeah. Teacher. I feel like you're getting Dave Grohl to like play with you and have like a drum off, like on Zoom. <laughs> so cool. It's like the raddest thing. That's so sick. Um, I also wanted to get into when they talk about the fashion. Of course, we're like almost at like a, an hour 30, but people can pause the podcast while you're driving, do whatever. I don't care. Listen to us for four hours. Who cares? Um, the fashion. I love that kid with the earplugs that they interviewed in his nose who had the, he had the oh, backwards yeah. hat and that weird like like twist hanging out of his hat. And he was like, man, I liked the bands first. So oh my god like, that's so funny <laughs> and he's so young kid. and he's like i hate it now because i like them first <laughs> yeah he's like everybody liked it it's so stupid i liked them first <laughs> which is really cool <laughs> and then um i really like the band Hammerbox too they like talked about ham they like mentioned Hammerbox. they're really cool they remind me of paul westerberg and like the replacements i don't know if you know the replacements you guys know their place. Yeah, yeah, their place. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. They like kind of remind me of that. And then, of course, I, I love that near the end you get that uh, Soundgarden live clip. Of, yeah. Um, I forgot the song from. Is it Bad Motorfinger? It's not Bad Motorfinger, but uh, it's. Oh, I just wrote Chris Cornell is a religious experience. I am so oh, glad I've yeah. had them. Like, th- I think I've seen Soundgarden twice, seen Audio Slave once. Um, so glad i think i cried the first time i saw soundgarden his voice is just i mean it's just incredible like i know so that's sad. the thing about like some of the, i can't really think of many other people like their voices were so unique and lane staley oh god yeah. the alice in chains mtv unplugged like you'll sob it's so fucking incredible i mean all of them like Soundgarden, I don't think has one. If they do, I don't know about it. Um, That's sad. I don't think they do, right? I mean, what I about Area Slave? As Area Slave, uh, let's see. They might have one that they did like really late, like you know, in mm-hmm. like because they were like two thousands fan. So let me see if they have one. I don't think they do though. Um, no, Alice in Chains does. Oh, okay. It looks like there is a. There's like a stone unplugged. Oh, but I don't know if it's the MTV one. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I know that obviously Pearl Jam has one. Um, Oh, I think Chris Cornell might have done one. Might have done a a certain. His voice was like something out of this world. Yeah. Like you can't, there's no one. I mean, obviously, Eddie Vader has his own thing too, but so different. Are you literally no one else can sing like that? 
No. Or Lane Staley from Alice yeah. Begins. He's another one. And also, I love true. Scott Weiland. He's another one of my favorite front. Do you think any girls who, who like... Who you have know, who has like a fucking grungy, amazing like vocal. Pat Bellin from uh, Babes in Toyland, probably one of the sickest. Uh, Kim mm. Gordon, she's got a pretty sick voice from she does, Sonic not, Youth. She not does, grungy, no, um, no like that, not powerful. And uh, you know I, mean? I would say like L Seven. Hmm. I want to say like L Seven is pretty like they've got that pretty like grungy sound. They're another sub pop yeah. band. Uh, seven year bitch. Oh yeah, that girl. Another one. Um, trying to think of. I mean, it's a very small scene for women. Besides yeah, Courtney, I mean. No, I know. If you want to, I mean, actually, I can think of someone, but like nothing to do with the scene. I, this yeah, is like not new. In Seattle. This is like no, no, no. I mean, she's American. I don't know where she's from. I think she might be from New York, but completely different. It's like new wave. I'm Beth Dito. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of um, the gossip. You see, I have to say the first album was fucking amazing, but they were not a consistent. They were not a consistent band, you know. Like, but she when I'm she first came now, out, I thought you meant like in Seattle in the nineties. Who is another? No, I just meant now. Oh, I just meant in really general. Any like, still yeah. She's she's got, oh yeah, she's super like sick. I I thought you meant ninety. That's why I was like, uh. no, I just meant like oh like in now. general. Yeah, Brody Dolly's got a pretty pretty sick voice. I think. What do you think, Jules? Um, wait, wait, who is this? No, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I like don't know any of these <laughs> You don't know you don't know the distillers and Brody? No. No? Yeah. Really? What what is what she is the song? From Rancid. She was she's a a, a singer songwriter. Like she's in the distillers. She's the lead singer of the distillers. She's married yeah. to Josh Ohm from uh, I wonder if I like yeah, she's really if cool. I heard a song if I would know who it who they are. You would, you would. Yeah, they're really good. I like them. Uh we're asking what female vocalists now in rock have that kind of grungy sound. And like really um, powerful. Not cool. Don't say Billie Eilish, please. No. no. She doesn't. No. Um there's this one band that I think that they're not American. Um, they're, they're Canadian. One second I'm looking for. I don't know why I'm totally blanking on their name right now. Like I've even like hung out with them on tour before. Oh, and no. I'm blanking on their name. Oh, no. um, I was going to say what about. I'll, I'll bring it back. Let's keep talking. What about Kathy and Hannah? I mean that's more like punk, like bikini. Oh kill. yeah, yeah, bikini kill. Yeah, yeah, but I guess I'm just trying to think of like it. Um, don't know. I can't really think of anyone that's like really. Oh no, no, no. That first album uh, kind of slaps, though. Not even gonna lie, the first Avril album's not bad. Wait, so we're talking about modern bands, right? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, um, anyone. So there's this band called Dilly Dally. Okay. Um, that's a band that um, I could not Dilly Dally? for the life of me remember what they were Don't called. Don't worry. I'm the, I'm the queen of Blankin. Like, um, literally, people are like, how old are you? I'm like, uh, can't remember. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely have a, like, a grunge sound. There's also um, a band that I really like from new york called dirty dishes oh cool um maybe her voice is not um like the typical grunge voice but the the instrumentation she does is very much like grunge it's very good nice 
kind of like experimental at times, but like there's one song that like sounds like like heavy Nirvana. Um, oh, cool! Right. We need to do another podcast on like music and rock, but from 2000. Yes, yeah, I know. We totally do. Oh, like women in rock. Women in rock. Yeah. 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 What did yeah. I say? You just did rock in 2000, but you meant. Oh, really? Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah like female fronted. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that that I could talk about with this whole conversation. I guess we all could. I had just one more quote that um, Eddie Vedder said that he said, success isn't what we strive for, but once you get it, you just become a commodity. Mm, Yeah. yeah. That sums it all, doesn't it? Yeah. That's just like, and then I love how um, they're like at the end, they're like, this was a place where like things naturally grew. Like it was like, the the complete nexus of DIY in like the late eighties, early nineties. And then I love at the very end it's like your town is next. <laughs> like I love how they Oh yeah, I love that at the end. Yeah. Which actually yeah. that might be the title of the episode. I love that. Because, That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's like it's literally can happen anywhere, anytime. And it and it actually did happen in uh not it didn't get exploitative, but it happened in hip hop. Atlanta grew up blew up. And Atlanta has a sound and the Southern rap has a sound like Houston has a sound. The rap has a sound and everywhere else. So, I mean, it does happen. And Florida has that emo math revival thing going on right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like very, very much those Florida bands that I really love. They're like more like an emo revival They're they're like a punk, but more of an, a pop punk. They all have a very similar sound and they're all from like the Gulf of mm. Florida. Like a oh wow! Big scene there, yeah. Uh, Pool Kids is a sick band. Dikembe, like, uh, there's a lot. I, I love those bands too. So yeah, like other towns have sounds, you know, too, which is it's gonna happen probably. Labels, yeah, and everything else, but yeah, it's super cool. Do you guys have any more notes? Um, I think that's it for me. What about you? No, hang on, let me see. <laughs> no. That's it, really. Oh, another thing was just super cool. I love that guy that had the Northwest trading cards of all the bands with the contact. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought that that was so clever. Like, he said that when you put them all... um, like the back of it, get what is it? Like the eight four or oh, eight? like the contact information? You mean? No, no. He said like it's a puzzle when you put them all together. Oh, the back jigsaw. of it. Yeah, a jigsaw, oh, right? Traffic jam on the I five. I think that's cool. Yeah, that's very that's cool. Way, which is really cool. And also, we didn't mention uh, the probably biggest quintessential grunge first grunge record was the Deep Six album, which can it had it was from CZ Records and it had Skinyard, Soundgarden, Green River, Malfunction, and you men you men's another sick band so those were like the deep that was like the deep six that was like the the real intro if you want to really get into grunge from the start go listen to that record it's really great nice. and the melvins too I, I believe put that out yeah melvins are cool. yeah melvins are dope they have a really cool sound too and buzz is so funny like if you hear him talk about he actually has a really funny thing about montage of heck where he's like that was bullshit like nobody knows him at all <laughs> like he, he just like he kind of tells it like it is which is kind of funny like he it, and obviously Kurt and Courtney remind me very much of like Sid and Nancy almost the same exact like play out like as soon as they met it was like oh fuck yeah like, this is a same with what happened with Sid I think too so but that was an even more weird story but um yeah sweet yeah. So we've reached well, the awesome. end 
Thank you for having us, Lauren. Yeah, it was so cool. Like and subscribe. Give us five stars. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, it has been super fun. And uh, I'll put this up in a few days and I'll do a poll on whether or not you think the Beatles are overrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm ex- I'm really excited for this one. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah this will be good this will be super good but yeah it was super fun and uh we will see you guys on the next one awesome talk soon Bye. bye